Two Kids in a Career is produced by Jill Devine Media. It just is making me realize <laughs> I've said a lot of the wrong things. <laughs> I don't think you can you ever know, say the wrong things. You just have to learn from maybe what you didn't say the way you wanted to the first time and then just change that the next time. I have to say, I've, I've said this before because, you know, at, at this point, Rachel and I have seen a lot, done a lot, you know, um, just experienced a lot, you know, just because of our age. But, um, you know, I said to a friend of mine one time, because she was saying, you know, I feel so guilty about such and such when this happened. And I said, you know, you did the best you could at the time you had with the knowledge that you had. Evoke Creative is a proud sponsor of Two Kids and a Career. They help small business owners like me brand with purpose and market with intent. The ladies at Evoke Creative will help make your digital presence known. Learn more at evokecco.com. That's evokecco.com. Hi there, and welcome to Two Kids in a Career. I'm Jill Devine. As an entrepreneur, wife, and mama, the daily grind of trying to build a business while taking care of kids and trying to maintain a healthy connection with my hubby, it's a lot. With this podcast, you're going to hear candid conversations with other moms, parenting experts who can share their knowledge and insight, or you'll just hear me rambling to get it all out. There's going to be tears, there's going to be laughter, but most importantly, there will be support. Take a listen and connect with me so we can grow and learn from one another. This is Two Kids and a Career. Welcome to the last episode of season five. And I think this is a great episode to end with because it's all about the kiddos and education and learning, but also for us mamas, there's a lot that we can learn as well from my two guests. So I want to introduce to you my two guests this morning, Rachel and Maria. So Rachel Nolan, Maria Price, they are the authors of The Cow Cocoon. And oh my gosh, we need more books like this in our lives. Oh, thank you, Jill. I really appreciate that. I want to talk about The Cow Cocoon, of course. Um, should we start there or should we go to the beginning and learn a little bit about the two of you? You know, I seem to be able to talk about anything. So you just <laughs> let me know where you would like to start. <laughs> well, the cow cocoon came because of the two of you and your backstory. So let's go there first and then talk about the cow cocoon because the the thing that I love about this book is something it's not just a one sentence thing that I want to talk about. So let's go back to the beginning and how you two know each other. Just very simply, um, our daughters met in seventh grade at school. Um, they're now, well, they're now 31 and they've been terrific and best friends since then. Maria and I became friends out of their relationship. And coincidentally, we live about a street apart. Um, so having said that, just a long history of friendship and family values. And then about two years ago, uh, we started, I went to Maria's house. It was winter and she was working on a crossword puzzle. I mean, a, a jigsaw puzzle. A, a jigsaw. And, mm -hmm. and I said, oh my gosh, I love them. I can't do them. I have a cat that scatters the pieces. And so we <laughs> just started getting together on Wednesday nights to do puzzles, perhaps go to a play, see a movie, sometimes do a trip. And on one of our trips, we were driving to Branson and Maria told me the story or an antidote about her children. And so Maria, why don't you take it from there? Uh, well, my daughter Annie was about six or seven, I'm not sure. And we were driving 
I think we actually were going to Branson and she saw these big bales of hay on the side of the highway. And she said, look at all those cow cocoons. And I said, you know, what are you talking about? And she said, no, those are cow cocoons. I said, who told you that? And she said her brother Jack had told her that. And so I just thought it was so funny. And it's one of those things that I've always just, it just makes me laugh every time I think about it, because, you know, when you're seven, the whole world seems like it's possible. And, um, so anyway, when we were talking last year, we had done plenty of cross or uh, jigsaw puzzles. And, um, we started talking about just different things we could do. And the cow cocoon was one of those books that we just decided, we just decided to start, you know, playing around with it. And ultimately it's just become this message that we're really excited to share with everybody. It's funny and it's cute, but it also has a really deeper message, which is really sweet. It definitely does. And we will get to that. But let's talk about, I mean, you two have a background with kiddos. And I mean, I don't think most people would be able to write a children's book if they didn't have some sort of background. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that that definitely plays into this. So let's talk about that first, because that also ties into why I love this book. You know, I think part of, you know, being a mom and, um, working, not working different career paths and stuff like that. You're always juggling kids at some point, you know, even, you know, married, not married dinner, soccer practices. There's always a bunch of like great chaos, but that occurs in your house. And as you're doing that and you see kids, I mean, as they grow up, it's like moms need a cocoon sometimes. Like, I definitely needed a bathtub at times where I could just go in by myself. My house was a cocoon. The kids were part of cocoons, even at like lunch tables and sports and all that. And, you know, it really, you know, Jill, it takes a village to raise a child, but I really believe it's the cocoon that allows them to thrive and feel safe and learn about inclusion. So, you know, between the, Uh, Marie and I, we have five children and I'm going to go on record that they're all fantastic, but I'm going to go on record saying it hasn't always been easy. Um, And you need to kind of acknowledge that. And when they're having a tough time, you have to provide a place for them. And as a parent, when you're having a tough time um, dealing with things with children and hurt feelings or just whatever it is, we all need that place. One of the things that I am learning, and I don't think, well, we'll we'll say this. I'm always reading self-help books for myself. I'm constantly a work in progress, like most people are. I think there's a difference between people on, you know, what you are doing and what you are not doing. And what I mean by that is, I mean, there are so many types of people that I have encountered where they continue to do self-help and they continue to learn and educate their self and one another. And then there are those who want to do that, but they just don't. And that's fine. I mean, it's whatever you want. But the one thing that I don't feel a lot of parents are doing is also educating themselves on how to talk to their kiddos. And I am... I've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but I think that 
we have maybe said, okay, it's the teacher's job to do that. Uh, we provide the the loving home, but it's not just about the walls. It's about the love. It's about the way that you talk to them. And so mm-hmm. one of the books that I am currently reading, and I don't have it right in front of me, so I'm probably going to get the title wrong, but you might know it, is How to Talk So Little Ones Listen, and it's for ages two to seven. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those things that it is true. These are, this is what I referring to as far as what I've spoken in past episodes. Like, even though they're little, they're human beings and you can talk to them about their emotions. And this book, and I've, and I've understood that and, and have known that, but it's really hit me lately because you think about as an adult, if you're in just a very angry state or in an emotional state, and if my husband told me to calm down, oh my gosh, I'm going to see red. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so it's just like acknowledging their feelings. I, I'm trying to be really good at that. And even when my, my fuse is short and taking a deep breath and just acknowledging their feelings. And um, I just don't think that a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of parents don't get it, but just the active part in doing so. You know what I mean? Well, and I think, Jill, you're right about that because, see, a feeling is a feeling. It's not right or wrong. So I think it's important to create an atmosphere where, you know, you can talk about what they're feeling, but you. But I think what happens is people say, well, that's not a right feeling because, no, that's not what I meant, you know, and you're allowed to feel angry, happy, sad, confused, scared, and then talk through that. But I think a lot of times it becomes like your feeling isn't the right answer, you know, or right. you feel threatened by it. Like if somebody says, you know, my feeling is I'm mad at you. You want to defend yourself like, oh, no, 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 I, I'm doing everything right. I've made all your lunches and I packed all your bags and I've made your costumes. And why could I be a bad mom today when you just told me I was a bad mom you know, or something? Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to do active listening and allow their feelings to have a place to go. Mm-hmm. It is, For and sure. that's yeah, and that will help. One of the things that I didn't when I was reading the first chapter, just even the dynamics between siblings. Like if you try to say to the older one, "Well, your sister doesn't know any better," or just just right. share with her, "You're the bigger, you're the bigger one, and you're modeling." Well, that's still her toy, and. It just is making me realize <laughs> I've said a lot of the wrong things. <laughs> I don't think you can you know, ever say the wrong things. You just have to learn from maybe what you didn't say the way you wanted to the first time and then just change that the next time. I have to say, I've, I've said this before because, you know, at, at this point, Rachel and I have seen a lot, done a lot, you know, um, just experienced a lot, you know, just because of our age. But, um, you know, I said to a friend of mine one time, cause she was saying, you know, I feel so guilty about such and such when this happened. And I said, you know, you did the best you could at the time you had with the knowledge that you had. And I, and I really, I, I feel like that's what we need to say to ourselves is that we're doing the best we can, you know, and we, there is not a playbook for everybody and not every kid is the same. And, and, and it's just hard, you know, in some days you think I'm doing it so great. And then other days you think, why, 
what have I done? Right. It's super hard because, and this is a question for you both. Well, does, do one of you have one and other have four or between the five kids? Tell me who has who. I have two. Okay. A girl and a boy. And I have three. Yeah, I have my oldest is a girl, my middle is a is a boy, and then my youngest is is a girl. And there's five years difference between my son and my youngest daughter. And so that's that's really great in a lot of respects. And then it was really hard too because there was such a lag time. They were older, but when my kids were teenagers and she was, you know, six and still telling me she loved her, I was like, Oh, I just want to keep you here forever because you know, she was like my bright sunshine when my other kids were getting moody and doing whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and that's something that keeps, I, I've talked about too, is like, I hear from a lot of people just enjoy this time because this time is easier than the <laughs> next time. And I think it's easier to say that when you're out of it. I, I try to remind mm-hmm. myself like, okay, even though these people mean well, and they're just, trying to let me live in the moment. They were in the same situation and I'm going to be in the same situation as them. And it's just like a, 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 just a circle. You just keep going like that hamster wheel. It's just going to keep happening. I don't think it's fair to, to say, oh, enjoy this time right now because it's hard. It's all mm-hmm. hard. I mean, not hard in the sense of like you're showing up to the nine to five job, but it's hard because it's an everyday, all day, 24 hours a day you know, and you love this child. So you want the best for them. Each stage of their life presents different challenges. And I think it's mm-hmm. our way as being older moms of kind of encouraging you guys, like, don't worry, just enjoy it. It's all puppies and rainbows. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, just to kind of get you through it. But you're um, a liar. You're a liar. Yeah, we're lying. We're totally lying because we can't remember. You know, I mean, I can't remember, yeah. you know, <laughs> do stuff if I don't write it down. So I most certainly don't remember every day when they're four. <laughs> I remember the good parts, but I, I definitely know the challenges and actually even more sure. challenges because we feel so responsible for everything that they do. I think, I hate to say it, but I think parents are harder on other parents and there's a lot of judgment that goes around, you know, like her kid did the, Oh, I heard, Oh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like if your kid, I don't know, if your child does something which they're going to do to horribly embarrass you, it's going to happen. It's not a reflection on you. It's just what it is. But, um, I think we have to be kinder to each other as parents and, I think when you're younger, it's very easy to live in black and white. And like, I would never let my kid do this. I would never accept that. I would never do that. Well, the older they get, the more you need to really start living in the gray because it's all going to happen to you. And I think we need to be more forgiving of ourselves and to others, look in the gray and just stop making judgments because kids feel those. Okay. And as it trifles down, if they hear us on the phone with one of our friends, like, Oh, do you believe so-and-so did that in carpool line or whatever they, they hear, they're going to start that too. And they're going to start being young bullies and they're going to start being unaccepting. So 
I guess that would be one thing I would love everybody to do is just stop judging, love every kid for who they are, and we will get through this together. What's mm-hmm. really interesting is that I have been preaching a lot on that whole women supporting women movement and empowering women and stopping the judgment, which I am still doing. But I have not stopped to think about what you said and stop judging parents. That is huge. Like that, that hit me. Like I'm writing this down because it is true. We do that. And we, why? I want to hit pause for a minute in this conversation because I want to highlight one of the sponsors of the podcast, and that would be Evoke Creative. If you haven't heard me talk about the ladies behind Evoke Creative, these are the ladies that really have gotten me to where I am in regard to the business. They set up a website for me. They did a consultation call with me to help me start thinking about different ideas to build upon this brand and this business. They help try to figure out the best social media um, guidelines for the business. And, And that's just a little bit of what they've done. And there's so much more that they have to offer. They're constantly researching the different things that you can do as a business that will make you stand out from the rest. And they want to do that for you. They specialize in helping small business owners. They would love to talk to you, get a feel for what you're looking at doing, and then put a plan in place. EvokeCCO.com. That's where you can see their work, but you can also go to my website, JillDevine.com, and and they did that. So that's a prime example of something that they could do for you. EvokeCCO.com. And now let's continue the conversation with Rachel and Maria. It's our own insecurities as a parent. We just want to feel better about ourselves. So if if we think somebody did something like, oh, at least I didn't do that. Ooh, you know, because we because there is no manual on how to raise a perfect child. If we did that, if somebody said, if you put them in the school, if you do that, if you do whatever, everything will be safe. We would all do whatever we could to make that possible. But we're not baking, you know, you bake cookies and have you noticed that each batch is a little different no matter you put in the same ingredients? Mm -hmm. So we look at these self-help books and we look at this stuff trying to put in all the right ingredients and sometimes our cake just doesn't rise. I I just know I felt it a long time uh, since my kids were little. I mean, you you just look around and I, I, unfortunately, what I see is a... um, a grooming of these younger moms. Like you have to look a certain way and you have to do a certain thing and you have to be perfect on Instagram and Facebook and all that. And I, it, it, it really kind of scares me, Jill. I mean, I honestly, I mean, I guess we all had our own little, oh, I don't know, frustrations, you know, raising our kids, but now our kids are merit badges and, and we're saying like, look at how fabulous they are. And I, I, I think Rachel said one time, you know, kids are just off the table when it comes to judging because they're, they're just so, they're so young and they just don't know enough yet. And so we really don't have, um, any cause to judge them. You know, I just don't think we do. Isn't that what you said? Something like that, Rachel, you uh-huh. said, you know, they're just yeah. off the table when it comes to that. Off the table. And, and I really talk about that that another child. Yeah. Because we don't mm-hmm. know. And, and, and these kids are, they are, 
taken on a lot of stuff, you know? Okay. So I have a few points. I did not think that this was, this is what I love about this podcast. I didn't think that this was something that we're going to talk about, but this is very like therapeutic and, and things. So my first (laughs) point is when you said, we got to stop judging the kids that take that off the table. 100%. Well, one thing about me, it's just my personality. I'm the type of person that likes to match everything. I've got that type A personality. Things need to be in order. And so one of the responsibilities of the four-year-old that we're trying to teach her, you know, to pick out her own clothes. And yes, when I would pick out clothes and I would still do it for the two-year-old, it would match. It's just, that's my thing. And so whenever mm-hmm. the four-year-old would start to pick clothes and the just didn't match, I'm like, well, well, the other day, uh, she wanted to pick out her clothes and she, I mean, it was so not matching whatsoever. And I was I love like, it. man, her teachers are going to be like, what is wrong with that household? And then I said, screw it. Like, this is what she wants to wear. Mm-hmm. It's her identity. It's her personality. And I think then it wasn't necessarily <sighs> me thinking the kid, the teachers, because the teachers probably know, like at this age, they want to do their own thing, probably. Right. And sure. then I started thinking, what about when she gets older? And then what will her peers think? So th- that hit me. And then I finally was just like, well, we'll just cross that bridge when it comes or if it comes. So that was one thing that I thought about, like at least again, work in progress. I'm going to let her do her thing. And until, you know, it, it bothers her, what have you. Okay. So my other what, point, what's that great saying that I, that I say, but I can't remember. Uh, don't rehearse <laughs> tragedy. Is that what it is? Yeah. Don't rehearse tragedy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't don't, rehearse and, tragedy. and what I mean by that is that she's four, she's going to change at eight, 12. She's not going to dress probably too odd when her friends kind of give her that odd look. Um, so what you're doing it for, you're rehearsing tragedy. Like, oh my gosh, she's dressing like this. What is she going to be like at 12? I don't know. We, we can, we'll worry about that later. But right now at four, regardless of what she puts together and she walks into a store, most parents are going to look down and say, we know that mom didn't put that together. You know? I mean, yeah, right. We've all been and, and there. don't you love, and don't you love that you just let your little four-year-old do it? I mean, my son one time uh, went to preschool and he had three sweatshirts on. He looked like the Michelin man. And I thought, you know, I'm sure this teacher has seen this before, you know, but of course I had to explain it when he walked in, but you know, it's I, honestly, you know, part of that is probably just their emergence of self. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not a, yeah you know, a psychologist, but you know, it's like, what's, what's the harm in doing that? Nothing. No, you know, just creating your own. And just make sure you take lots of pictures. So later on you can share those with them. (laughs) She definitely is getting a fashion book for sure. When she's older with all these pictures, Um, I promise we're going to get to the cow cocoon, but the, the other thing I wanted to bring up and, and I'm hoping that this might help somebody else. So this is the first time that, well, we're in a private school and I will be completely honest, private school was never even on my radar. Uh, My husband and I, we had different um, plans and then obviously, you know, plans can 
get busted, especially when you're in a pandemic. And so she is now in a private school, which is connected to our church. And I just have recently spoke of this with some of my coworkers at the church that I work at. And I said, there have been some times where I have thought I don't belong because I do see, you know, some of those uh, fancy cars and fancy clothes and fancy accessories. And um, it does make you go, wow, I, I don't belong and I don't feel like I fit in here. And that's so crazy. Like it is so crazy that I would possibly let that mindset prevent me from letting my children have, in this particular situation, a great education because where they're going is fantastic. And so that Mm -hmm. was something I was thinking about when you guys were talking about the, the car line and the judgment and I know that that's still going to happen, but I'm hoping that we can start switching the narrative in a way. Our Maria's and our kids, they went to private. Maria's went private the whole time. Um, My children were public school educated until middle school and we switched to private. And I will tell you that I saw that in both public and private. Unfortunately, I think it's just where we are in life. Um, Judgment, people want nice cars, people want to be the Joneses. Um, Again, I don't think there's any place where we're not going to find that right now. You can't really worry about that. And there's always going to be, you know, I hate to say the alpha moms and the ones that, you know, I get all that. But children pick up from your example. And yes, there might be people that are, their spring breaks, they're flying on a jet to something. And there's other ones that are on a road trip with their family. When children feel like their family unit, serious, you know, is the most fun to be around, a lot of those parents with that attitude, you will see the children gravitating to your house for fun, for the sleepovers, mm-hmm, for, for the sure. pancakes you make in the morning. For the, um, because children really, that's what they need. And they don't need you just to be their wallet. That's easy. That's an easy way to parent. Um, So again, I'm going to tell you from my experience, private public exists everywhere. Kids are kids. Parents are parents. Um, A lot of, again, I'm going to say, I think this becomes from a lot of insecurity in women um, that I feel don't have their own thing. You know, like when my children were little, I did different part-time jobs. I did different marketing. I did whatever. And I always had them at the center of my universe and my heart, but I always had a little something carved out for me and they could see that that made me happy. And even today being 60, part of this book I'm so proud of is that my children can now see at any age, do what you want to do. Do what you love. Follow your dream. And and jealousy and money create envy, okay? And yes, I can be like, oh my gosh, I wish I had that house. I wish I had this. But I'm telling you, I'm more envious of, I wish I had that fun family that just laughs and jokes together and love it. You know what I mean? Like that's 
what yeah. kids get envious of and seeing as they start to grow up. Yes. Yes. I love it. Yes. You're providing something money can't buy. And exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk about the cow cocoon. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so this, I, I'll let you two explain it, but we did, you guys were so awesome and gifted my girls the book and Truman. And it is so cute. Well, so we call all the little stuffed animals in our house lovies and the girls get to choose a lovey or two to sleep with. And Truman has been part of the lovey experience for bed for quite pretty much since we got him. But I will tell you, I want you to explain the book, but what I love the most about this book, the discussion questions. Holy moly. There are so many times when you read a book and you you want to do more or you want to say more and you just don't really know. I mean, especially as a parent that doesn't really necessarily know how to work those questions in, to have that guided discussion really, really helped. Now, I will say, of course, the two-year-old didn't quite understand and the four-year-old was a little like, huh, but I, I would reword some of it about your safe place or what do you need? And the answer was kind of funny. I don't even remember what it was, but I think as she starts to think about it and we use the wording more, it will make sense. So I love the discussion questions and I would love for you to, to talk about the book a little bit more. Well, we just kind of, um, you know, like I said, this, this story kind of evolved from a little trip in the country. And um, so we made up this little cow named Truman that sees a butterfly cocoon and he, you know, asks what it is. And his mom said, you know, it's just a place where baby butterflies stay safe and until they're ready to come out and play. And as the story goes on, other animals say what their cocoon is. And then Truman finds his own cocoon. He keeps wondering where his cocoon is. And, you know, the more I read that book, it kind of makes me laugh because the story starts out where he asks the question. And then even as he goes along, he keeps thinking about it all day long. And that is so typical of a young kid. They just, they won't, they just keep going back to something that they're curious about. So, um, so basically we have Truman find his cocoon and then he realizes that that's his safe place. But then, you know, he also goes back to the barn, which is also his cocoon. And um, so it's just a, it's just kind of a metaphor for a safe uh, place that makes you feel happy and loved. And um, so we kind of think it's like an old fashioned story that is not really, it's not in your face about any kind of anything. It's just about where you feel happy and safe. And, and I think that's a really important thing for kids to feel. So that's kind of where this, the book evolved. We didn't really set out with this grand plan, but that's, that's where we ended up. So, and we think it's really a sweet story. Right. So that's kind of what happened, Jill. So we created this story, um, seriously on a lark and people are like, Oh, this is so great during COVID. And we're like, no, it's really great all the time. But having said that, we were very proud. We had all these post-it notes. We kind of finished our book. We were joining critique groups. And so we're like, okay, how do you end a children's book? And we said, oh, the end. 
And <laughs> we said to each other, no, this isn't an end. And so not knowing anything, we're like, well, let's explore this. Let's, let's help direct the narrative of, and the conversation of wh- what the message that we want. So we're like, let's add talking points to the back of the book. And we're like, oh, I wonder if people do that. And we're like, that doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway because we like it. And then, then when we were creating our website, we're like, okay, what else can we do? And, you know, we have activity pages and we have teacher lesson plans and we have some articles on these subjects that parents can reference to talk to their children. We have, you know, a, ideas on how to create a cocoon yourself with your children, like arts and craft projects. And we decided our book didn't need the end. What we wanted to create was a two-way conversation that is ongoing, that we can constantly um, um, have discussions with our children. And we thought, that's what we want. We just don't want a book with the end. We want a book with the beginning. And it's and it's kind of the life keeps going. And the message is applicable regardless of if it's COVID, not COVID or not. Yeah, I wouldn't have even thought that this was a necessarily a, a, a COVID thing. You know what I mean? Like, this is definitely something that can be used all the time. Like, I was thinking, well, we need this in, in the schools. This would be a great um, lesson for teachers. We've gotten some reviews from a child psychiatrist, you know, um, the person who led gifted education in Missouri, um, teachers, librarians. So we did make sure that um, we were exposed, like we exposed it to get some good feedback. And um, particularly with guidance counselors of young children that, again, don't know how to talk about feelings. If they could draw a picture of who would be in their cocoon or what their it could look like, it gives a really good indication to younger, like preschool and kindergarten, first grade teachers to know possibly, is there something going on with this child? Are they sad? Do they not have friends in their cocoon? What does their family look like? So you could almost use it as a tool um, to gain insight into small children and where they are right now and their emotional happiness. That's exactly what I was thinking about it when I was reading it. Like I, that I kept seeing it in my daughter's class and like this would be especially too did we even mention that truman is well i did mention he's a lovey but i don't think i mentioned it too well like truman comes with the book like that's a great visual that is a great thing to have to show like hey here's truman and and his wanna, butterfly birthmark yep. Yep, yep. Yep. We, we find it all the time. I'm like, show daddy where the butterfly is. And then they, they uh, (laughs) find it. And you know, if you, you haven't seen the book or haven't seen any of the information posted on social media that I did on this, you're like, what are they talking about? I'm telling you it is, it is worth it. Uh, Especially if you have those younger kids, because it does, like you said, they constantly change. So the cocoon is going to be different um, probably multiple times. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And Jill, the other component that we've added is a merit badge. If you can look at that online. So a merit badge is um, we want children to become cow cocoon champions and get a certificate and a patch saying that they are. So we've created a program where 
we want children to learn how to be kind, mm. wise, creative, and helpful. And that's what we think Truman is. So we give guidelines to parents on how children can achieve those. Ba- and you had to do that with your own child based on age and ability. But to be kind, you could invite over a new friend, write a sweet letter to your neighbor who's maybe been inside more, invite somebody to sit at your lunch table. So we're asking parents to come up with a way that they can earn their four stickers of being kind, creative, wise, and helpful. And then once they get these stickers, and then once they put their sticker on their page, when they earn all four stickers, then you give them their certificate that they're a cow cocoon champion, and then they have a patch that says they're that they're a cow cocoon champion. And that's just another way to keep talking to your kids about it's really easy to be kind. It's really fun to be creative. It's really easy to be helpful. Like these are attributes that we can all do and to instill those young and start to provide that confidence and sh- and shape. This is who I am. I'm kind, I'm creative, I'm wise, I'm helpful. Yay! So let me ask you this. It almost like the the elevator pitch. So if in my daughters are rocking that cow cocoon merit badge and somebody says, oh, what's the cow cocoon merit badge? What would they say? You say, this is a way to teach your child how easy it is to be kind, creative, wise, and helpful. Love that. All right, ladies, where can people (laughs) find more and buy the book and anything else that you would like to say? Okay. Go to cowcocoon.com for our website, and please feel free to join us in our antics at The Cow Cocoon on both Facebook and Instagram. Maria, do you have some final thoughts for us today? Uh, No, I'd just like to really thank you, and best of luck with your girls. I'm sure you'll do a great job, Jill. I mean, it's, you know, it, it can be challenging and hard, but it also can be a lot of fun to have little kids, and honestly... You know, I think both Rachel and I have gone through a lot, but our kids are really great and they're, you know, in their 20s and 30s. And I feel like, you know, we've we've really. I don't know, just helped each other get through it, but you'll you'll get there and just enjoy the ride because it's 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 cool to see them come out on the other end and enjoy their company. And it's best having perfectly imperfect children. It's a gift. Absolutely. And that's a perfect quote to wrap up our conversation. This week's Supermom shout-out is a self-nomination. I only have had one other self-nomination, so here's the second one, and I'm excited that she took the time to send the message. It comes from Lucy. She lives in St. Charles, and she is from Montreal, Canada. She said, I don't know if I'm a Supermom or not. Going through breast cancer the first time around with a 7-year-old and an 8-year-old daughter And then again, 17 years later with the same kiddos and reassuring them, but now they're grown up and they understand what's going on. I'm not sure if that makes me a super mom or what, but well, I can finish that statement for you, Lucy. Yes, it does. I am so glad that you self-nominated yourself. You need that shout out. You need the strength from me and from the listeners and from anyone that can send it to you. You will beat this again. Lucy, I see you and I support you. 
I encourage you to send a Supermom nomination to me. All you have to do is really easy. There's multiple ways. You can email me, hello at jilldevine.com. You can send me a direct message on Instagram at Jill Devine or on Facebook at Jill Devine Media or even on Twitter at Jill Devine Radio. I don't care how you get me that nomination, just get it to me. And I want to let you know that again, this episode is the last episode of season five and taking, I think it's a three week break, coming back for season six on May 12th. I already have some amazing guests lined up to talk about all kinds of awesome things like we always do. And going back to the Supermom shout out, there's going to be a sponsor next time. I'm wrapping up all the details, so I can't give them all the way to you right now. But that is something else that's going to be coming up in season six. Really excited for it. I really hope that you will come back for season six. And if you haven't had a chance to get caught up on seasons one, two, three, four, and the rest of five, you can do so now during this three-week break. So thank you again for the support, for listening, for everything. And I will talk to you again, season six, launching Wednesday, May 12th.